0: This podcast discusses events of a sensitive nature. Listener discretion is advised. Saturday, June eighteenth, 2011. Wayakiwe is one of the busier highways in Nairobi, the capital city of Kenya. 5 a.m. and a policeman has a grim job. He is documenting an incident on the highway. At his feet lies the lifeless body of an unidentified young woman. The body is in bad shape. Part of the skull and brain are missing. All her limbs are broken. The policeman notes a few peculiar things. First, there is little blood at the site, which he finds odd, given that it looks to be a passenger versus vehicle hit-and-run accident. Another thing he notes is that the body is devoid of shoes and personal belongings altogether. The policeman documents all this. It will later turn out that the body belongs to 25-year-old Masters of Journalism student, Mercy Chepkosgei Kaino, and her family is about to receive some devastating news. Welcome to Episode 1 of Season 2 of Murder, Shiro. And unlike in Season 1, when we explored cases of homicide that took place in the 70s and 80s in Kenya, um, in that post-independent period, In this season, we will be exploring cases of femicide that took place in the last decade between 2011 and 2021. Um, Beginning with the first of which, I remember hearing the story on the news when it was, when the news broke. And the thing that struck me was that she was very close in age to me. And I remember that period being like, a kind of loss of innocence, you know, the one of many that you go through as you get older. I think it was kind of realizing the dangers that were present in the city that I lived in, um, especially for young women. Um, I think the cases are significant too because um cases of femicide still happen, especially of young women. In this season we will explore a few of the more recent ones. Beginning with a young woman named Mercy Chepkosgei Kano, who met her untimely demise in June of 2011. At the time of her death, Mercy was a 25 year old Masters of Journalism student at the University of Nairobi. A lot of the information that we will uh, talk about today comes from um, an inquest that took place. After the death of Marcy it lasted a few years, and uh, the inquest sought to determine culpability of five individuals who had been adversely mentioned in connection with the death of Marcy And in the end, the inquest found none of the individuals culpable. And just a side note, there have been no further trials um, in connection with her death, and the case remains unresolved to date. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's pick up the story on Friday, June 17th, 2011, the evening before Mercy met her tragic death. It's a Friday. And Mercy has been invited for a party that evening. And she had been invited by her friend and aunt, a young woman by the name Scholastica Namwai Kamemba. And Schola, as she's fondly known, has in turn been invited to the party by a young woman by the name Jackie. Um, so the three of them, Mercy, her aunt and friend Skola, and Jackie, meet at a rendezvous point, which is reported to be a fuel station somewhere in Nairobi. And at the rendezvous point, it is reported that a man takes down the names of the three young women and then proceeds to take them to the venue of the party. The venue is Wasini Luxury Homes, an upmarket apartment complex in the Westlands area of Nairobi. Uh, The three young women arrive and they are led to the bar, which is uh, a common area for the complex. And as the night wears on, uh, more young women join them and there are also a few men at the table. At some point later in the night, the young women are joined by a man who is quite a prominent figure in Kenya at the time. He is the then member of parliament of Jujia constituency. The heart of Jujia constituency, Jujia town, is about 33 kilometers from Nairobi. This man by the name William Kafogo joins the young women, and it is said that he brought with him some alcohol, which he offers to the young women, and... Everything seems to be going well so far. At some point, um, Mercy began to behave in a manner that uh, was described as unruly. A lot of light was cast on Mercy's behavior that evening. This is from testimony from witnesses uh, during the inquest. Um, They said that she uh, got drunk and was behaving in an unruly manner. Testimony from her aunt says that she... Um, had broken uh, uh, some glasses or a glass and um, she was knocking things down. And there's also CCTV footage that seems to be consistent with this of Mercy apparently intoxicated. And there is also toxicology evidence um, that indicates that Mercy had quite a significant amount of alcohol in her body at the time of her death. Yeah, okay, so um at some point um Mercy began to behave in a manner that uh, was described as unruly and that because of this she had been ejected from the bar and she had been asked to go sit outside um near the security quarters um that's near the gate of the apartment complex and wait for transport to go home and this was um and this was in the middle of the night and at this point It seems that the party has kind of broken up. Um, The member of parliament has retreated to a private apartment with uh, a number of young women, including Mercy's aunt. It is said that her aunt comes outside and brings Mercy back inside. And Mercy's aunt brings her into this apartment. Information about the next series of events comes from the testimony of the caretaker, of Wasini Luxury Homes. He was a witness at the inquest and, and he testified that at some point in the night he was called into a private apartment um, within the apartment complex. And inside that apartment was the Member of Parliament and a number of young women, including Marcy He describes seeing the Member of Parliament slap Marcy a few times, he said several times, and then also demonstrated in court that he saw the member of parliament kick Mercy while she was on the ground. And and this seemed to indicate that the member of parliament had physically assaulted Mercy um, at this point in the night. This is what the caretaker said during his testimony. He said that he was asked to um, escort uh, Marcy Kano out because she was behaving in an unruly manner and she was disturbing everyone. And uh, he says that he had to call security and they helped to bring Mercy out of the apartment co- complex and bring her back outside. And at this point, there is um, CCTV footage that was um, shown during the inquest showing um, security officers... Physically handling Marcy and carrying her out of the apartment complex. And then there's footage of Marcy outside, and she's seen, uh, f- at first, she's seen on the ground and apparently crawling. And then she gets up and walks with what uh, appears to be a limp. And uh, she's seen then at the near the gate of the apartment complex, and she's soon joined by her aunt Scholastica Namwai. And now this next series of events we get from the testimony of uh, Marcy's aunt and friend Scholastica Namwai, and she says that um, she was outside with Marcy, who had been ejected uh, from the apartment complex because of unruly behavior, and that. At this point, Mercy ran off into the night, and and Scholastica, in her testimony, she said that she then ran back into the apartment complex and asked the bodyguards of the member of parliament to come and help her, uh, to come and help her bring Mercy back because she had run off into the night. And um, during questioning by the police, the bodyguards said that they went and found Mercy on the highway, that is on Wayakiway, in the middle of the road. And they brought her back um, to the gate or to the outside area of the apartment complex. And Scholastica says that Mercy was hard to control. And at some point again, Scholastica testified that Mercy ran off into the night. And because it was very dark, she was unable to go after her. And there's actually CCTV footage that seems to um, be consistent with this testimony, Mercy is seen um, wrestling for a handbag from her aunt and then leaving the frame. And this is the last time that Mercy is seen by members of this party when uh, she walks out of the frame um, of that CCTV footage. Um, It's not clear why they didn't try to go um, bring her back um actually, um, evidence from the inquest um, says that the member of parliament at this point uh, left the apartment complex. And uh, before he left, it is said that he inquired about the whereabouts of the young woman who had been causing a disturbance. And um, it's not clear what he was told or whether anything was done about the information that he received about her, her whereabouts or what had happened to her. And now from here, the next series of events is described by motorists who were witnesses at the inquest. Um, the first is from a motorist who was um, driving along Wayaqui Way. Way is the highway I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and it is located very close to the venue of the party that Marcy Kano attended. Um, at this point, let's talk about Wayakiwe a little bit. First, um, Wayakiwe is named for Wayaki Wahiga. He was the head of a monarchy that was in the present-day Dagoretti area of Nairobi. And um, um, it's actually quite a tragic story why it came to be named for him. But yeah, that the whole story is another podcast, so I won't go into it. Um, I encourage um, everyone listening to look into it. Actually it's 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 a really especially for Kenyans i think it's a really important uh, very powerful story um so and also very interesting very very interesting and it's a description of Kenya because uh, the monarchy existed in Kenya before Kenya was even known as Kenya <laughs> um there's a lot more information available on the internet um, it's possible to actually look up the whole um story the whole history it's uh it's interesting and and important and powerful um so the other thing about Wayaki way is that it's uh, a divided highway there are um a number of lanes going one way away from the central business district and then there are a number of lanes going the other way um towards the central business district and there's a divider in the middle so the evidence from this motorist was that he was headed away from the central business district to a place called Odero. And I think he said he was going to drop someone off. And while driving that way, he reports seeing a young woman trying to flag down vehicles on the highway. And he went past without giving it too much thought. And he went and got to his destination. And then after a certain period of time he was headed back towards the central business district uh, going the other way now and around the point where he had seen the young woman earlier in the night he sees the body of a young woman lying on the road uh, not moving and uh, he takes note of this and then there's evidence from another motorist later in the night a few hours after the first motorist uh, who gave um Testimony at the inquest. The second motorist was headed towards the central business district in the same direction as uh, the first motorist was going the second time around. And um, she reports seeing the body of a young woman under the wheels of another vehicle that was on the highway at the same time as her. And and she says that she noted down the license plate of this vehicle and she reported this uh, to the police station. And that piece of evidence, actually, that there was a body under the wheels of a car on Wayakiwe at some point in the night, and that the body later came to be identified as that of Masikeino, um, that piece of evidence, it made investigators begin to suspect that the body had been dropped off on Wayakiwe after the young woman had been killed elsewhere. And um, factors such as um, the minimal blood uh, at the site of where the body lay um this was from um this was from the documentation of of the officer who was uh, present at the site on the morning when Marcy's body was found. Um the fact that there was minimal blood and there were no personal belongings made investigators start to think that it could indicate that the body was uh, brought there after the young woman had been murdered elsewhere. And the owner of the car, whose license plate was reported by this second motorist, actually surrendered himself to police and um, his car underwent forensic investigation. And, in, and despite initially being suspicious because uh, because the color of the car seemed to have been changed, um, the police found no evidence that the body of Masikeno had been in the car or or at any point had come into contact with that car. So the individual was cleared of of any um, adverse connection to the the case. In his own defense, when he talked to police, he said that he had seen uh, the body of a young woman by the road, but like other motorists, he had just passed her by. The member of parliament was actually called to testify during the inquest. And in regards to uh, questions about uh, physically assaulting Marcy Kano, this is what he said. All of a sudden, she started breaking things. Anything that that she came across, photo frames, pictures. And then I stood up and I got her by the shoulders. And I shook her and I asked her what's wrong with her. And she was like she had lost it. I tapped her on the face and I said, what is wrong? How did you come here? Who are you? What is it? What is wrong with you? And then she recollected herself and by that time, uh, from the noise she was making, people from downstairs came, uh, they picked her, I asked her, them whether they can help her get home. He said that what he had done was just tapped her in the face, he said, and shaken her by the shoulders uh, and asked her uh, what was going on. He also spoke further about what he had directed be done with Mercy, um after their confrontation. It is notable that at the point when he was giving this evidence at uh, Marcy Keno's inquest, William Kafogo had already successfully run and been elected as governor of Kiambu County in Kenya, which is a position of greater power than than he had at the time of Masi death. In any case, he and all the other individuals uh, who had been adversely mentioned in connection with the death of Masi were cleared of culpability at the end of the inquest. And the case remains unresolved to date. And unresolved cases, I mean... It's like a double tragedy on top of having lost your loved one. The family does not have closure and they expressed this during um, the interviews following her death. The inquest didn't actually um, establish a clear cause of death. Um, It did though, however, suggest that Masi Keno had met her demise um, by the way of a hit and run accident And it appeared that she had been run over several times before her body was found uh, because of the state that it was in. Evidence seemed to suggest that she had been run over several times before um, she was found that morning by police, which is just truly horrific to think about. Let's finish the episode on a positive note. Let's talk talk a little about how Mercy's family remembered her. And this is from interviews, um, a period of time after her death. And um, her dad remembered her as a friendly young woman. He actually, the words he actually used were a charming lady, which I thought was just sweet. And he remembers conversations just uh, between him and her. And... um, He also said that she was very gentle, I think is a term um, I would use. He said his other two children are aggressive, but Mercy was um, a little softer than than that. And um, he also talked about her plans uh, for the future. She had plans to finish her master's degree, and she also had plans to get married that year. In fact, unfortunately, at the time of her death, uh, Mercy was engaged uh, to a young man who was known to the family, and they were all anticipating her marriage later that year. Her younger brother describes um, a big sister who was his ally, uh, someone he could talk to. And Mercy's sister, Mercy's sister, <laughs> this actually made me laugh, he, uh, Mercy's sister remembered her as, um, her, she called her her partner in crime. Um, she said they used to get into all sorts of mischief and fixes together. And she expressed just how much sadness she felt that she had lost um, this. She had lost a sister and a friend. And, yeah, it is a true and real tragedy. Masi Chepkoske Keino, may you rest in peace and may we never forget and may we do better this has been episode 1 of madashiro season 2 thank you for listening see you on the next one